Welcome to the Equine Energy Medicine Podcast with your host, Audrey McLaughlin. Hey guys, welcome to episode 38 of the Equine Energy Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, equine naturopath and energy medicine practitioner, Audrey. So I thought today would be a good time to go through some of those longer questions and answers from TikTok that you guys email me from the website, all of those things, um, and that that would be a great way to start out today. So our first question is from Kim, and it is regarding ringbone. Kim's asking if I have any suggestions for ringbone. That diagnosis of ringbone can be really scary. Um, ringbone is... <clears throat> basically a, a bony overgrowth or new bone growth that happens either at the pastern joint or the coffin joint. And so it can kind of be high or low ring bone. Um, it's, it's basically a type of arthritis, right? And so usually signs appear when the horse is getting older. Sometimes it can, it can happen when they're younger, depending on their conformation, depending on their posture. Typically it happens with horses that have repetitive stress. So the same mechanism, the same movement over and over and over again. So we're talking about, and it can happen to any horse. I'm not, I'm certainly not shaming any particular discipline, but it can happen a lot with jumpers, barrel racers, polo horses. Um, those horses tend to suffer from ring bone more frequently. Of course, you can also have, a, you know, a, a traumatic injury to that area that can predispose a horse to developing those sorts of changes. Now, there are lots of uh, signs of ring bone um, that can, that are physical clinical signs that you can see, right? Heat, well, you can't see heat, right? But you can see swelling. <laughs> you can feel heat. Uh, you can see a, a short or choppy stride. You can see, you know, an overt lameness at the walk. All of these things can be signs. Um, usually you have to go to your vet and uh, do x-ray, maybe a lameness exam, flexion test, sometimes even in regional nerve blocks to localize the source of pain. Uh, I'm going to be doing some episodes on pain because I've been researching uh, pain in horses for months and months and months. And I'm really excited to share that with y'all at, at some point when I have all the information together. Um, now, there's a, a bunch of different things that you can implement in order to help with ring bone, um, in order to make ring bone more comfortable for your horse. Um, and I'll go even as far, and it's not going to be a popular opinion, and people are going to say it's BS, but I'll even go as far as to say that you can see some bone remodeling with a number of therapeutic actions. Um, you know, with any condition like this, any arthritic condition like this, we have to have uh, nutrition as an absolute foundation for healing. So we're looking at getting rid of inflammatory ingredients. So all the soys, all the vegetable oils, canola oils, hydrogenated oils, rice bran oils, all those toxic ingredients. We're getting rid of grain. We're getting rid of sugar. Um, anytime we have an arthritic change, we need to dramatically lower the sugar in the diet. We also have to make sure to keep the horse at a healthy weight. We have to assess biomechanics and posture because that can play a huge role in your horse's ability to not put undue stress and undue mechanical stress on that area. A lot of times people will say, well, Audrey, I want to keep feeding my whatever senior feed and just give Equiox or Butte daily. Um, those things have really dramatic long-term and short-term side effects on the horse. So avoiding that as much as possible uh, is beneficial to your horse. And you also have to think about any time we're using an anti-inflammatory and that is reducing the pain 
then we need to be assessing what is causing the inflammation in the first place and how to get rid of that. And oftentimes it's, it's a combination of uh, their job and <laughs> their posture, their uh, nutrition. Um, you can also give supplements um, to help reduce inflammation and to help increase uh, healings, things like hyaluronic acid, glucosamine, MSM, devil's claw. Um, there's a couple pre-made supplements, something like Adequan or Osphos, although I prefer oral um, hyaluronic acid to those types of hyaluronic acid. You know, your vet may suggest uh, steroid injections. Um, and there are other, you know, you have steroid injections, which if you have, if you do steroid injections and your horse is on a high grain, high sugar, high uh, pro-inflammatory diet, you're essentially just robbing Peter to pay Paul. You're going to cause temporary relief and shorten the overall uh, length of time that horse is sound. Does that make sense? So you're going to, he's going to feel better now and you're going to have to repeat those injections until eventually those injections don't work anymore because you have, um, it doesn't literally melt the joint, but I like to say, I like to use the term melt the joint because it gives people a visual of what's happening internally. There are some other things that, that um, have been proven to be pseudo successful targeting ring bone. There is um, PRP tends to be a really good um, option. Beware. There are lots of people out there saying they are doing um, PRP and stem cell therapy, and they're not really doing that. Um, so just, just beware. Don't let people overcharge you for something that they're not actually doing. Um, shockwave therapy is another really good one as well. Um, and all of these things serve to increase the circulation, which helps the the body to resorb and re- resorb the extra bony areas and to um, bring healing cells and mitochondria into that area and rebuild essentially um, that joint. Lastly, and it's not last because it's the least important, but finding yourself a really good therapeutic farrier to help make sure that feet are balanced and, um, you know, do any kind of corrective um, farrier work or corrective trimming or even corrective shoeing um, for ring bone can help a horse experience more comfort and less stress on those joints. All right, this next question comes from Lindsay. Lindsay's asking about rusty water and its effects on horses. Uh, and then she goes on to say that her well water comes out brown. It's so bad. So Lindsay, you're going to be somebody that I definitely recommend an inline water filter for. You can go to your local camper world. You could probably go to your local like NRS or wherever, whatever dealer sells or manufacturers LQ horse trailers near you uh, or a camper store. You can even go to Amazon and look for inline water filters. Um, You want to look for at, at minimum a charcoal filter um, but for you, you might need something a little more heavy duty. So you're going to want to filter that water out. When horses have high iron, it throws many of their other minerals out of balance, including copper and zinc. Um, and then you kind of have a whole cascade of problems that happens on the other side of that. Uh, for iron alone, if, it, if just iron is too high, um, then we have increased incidence of arthritic disorders inflammatory disorders uh, in the joints and tissues. It can be taxing on the liver, which leads to liver issues, but also kind of superficially skin issues. Um, Overall, too much iron is a really big problem. If your horse is getting too much iron in the water and getting water or getting iron from any other source, feed, uh, hay, 
supplements and a lot of supplements have exogenous or added iron in it, um, then that just further compounds the problem. So it's definitely going to be a priority for your horse to reduce the iron in the water. Um, and, and I always tell my clients, you can buy really big, expensive, fancy water filters. Um, and I would argue that that's probably the best thing to do, but you can do so much good with these little inline water filters and they just connect to your faucet end or your trough end of your water hose. Um, and it can do tremendous things to help your horse's health. Okay, the next question was sent in anonymously on the website, and it says, I love your videos, and I switched all my horses, even my hard keeper who cribs to all forage, thanks to you. I'm so happy that you did that. That will, it will make a tremendous difference in the health, longevity, soundness, saneness, all of those things for all of those horses. She goes on to say, or I'm assuming it's a she, I just got a rescue that I am putting weight on and trying to rehab. She's old. And her white patches sunburn until the hair falls off and the skin peels. Is there any way to detox her and stop this from happening? Yes and no. So this is going to take time. This is going to take four to six, maybe eight to 10 months for this kind of thing to turn around. So there's a couple of things to do. Number one, in the meantime, get some coconut oil. And I mean the kind that is solid at room temperature and gets loosey-goosey in the summer. Um, and also some non-nano zinc. It's going to be really important for that to be non-nano zinc. Mix it up in a container and put it over those white patches. The coconut oil has some SPF in it, um, as well as the non-nano zinc. The coconut oil is also going to help to nourish that skin. Second thing is she's going to need UV protectant fly sheets. So wrap her up like like a little Christmas present and do UV protectant fly sheets um, over as much of her body as you reasonably can if she'll keep them on there. Third thing, make sure she has a place for shade. Um, so trees, uh, some sort of like run-in loafing shed, access to the barn, something like that. Often they will choose to protect themselves. The next thing is, is that she probably is going to need some liver support. Oftentimes skin issues that are that extreme uh, could use some liver liver support to help flush out the liver. And that will lead us to the fastest way to um, reduce and heal those areas. Again, this might take a little longer for her because it sounds like she's been been through some things, right? If she, if you, if she was somebody you had to rescue and now you're trying to rehab her and she's uh, a senior horse on top of that. So that's where I would start. Um, and then once you get her, so for liver things, rather than giving you a complicated protocol in a podcast form, um, you might go to Silver Lining Herbs and just get uh, their liver protocol, their liver uh, herbal pack and and use that. Okay. Hopefully that helps. Make sure you send me a, an update so that we can keep up on how she goes. All right. Next question is from Brie. And Brie asks, what do you think of esomeprazole uh, magnesium for horses? Well, there is a whole lot in there. <laughs> so uh, if you are treating a known proven scoped ulcer, then that might be um, an appropriate treatment for them. However, long-term use is absolutely, I'm, I'm fully against long-term use or giving it just because you think there might be an ulcer. Um, giving it because you might think there's an ulcer, there are so many better treatments with less side effects 
that uh, that work, right? So you could do my ulcer tea. You take my ulcer class that has the ulcer tea recipe in it. You could do my ulcer tea recipe. You could give just aloe juice in about a cup a day. You could give just slippery elm powder. You can get that at bulksupplements.com. Use code Audrey, I think, to save 10%. Um, you can get, you know, wherever you can get slippery elm powder will work. Um, you can do, uh, we said aloe, we said slippery elm, we said my ulcer tea recipe. We, you can also get some, a pre-made product like Jeremiah's ulcer repulsor and use that. Um, remembering that if your horse is showing signs of ulcers, the primary thing we have to do is fix their nutrition. It's usually because of the feed that they're getting. Even if they're on an all forage diet, there might be something that doesn't agree with them that they're sensitive to any number of things. And then secondarily, but equally as important, we have to make sure that they have forage in front of them at all times. Um, also for horses that don't have metabolic problems, including some alfalfa in their diet can help that as well. So it's not that I'm against um, this medication for horses. It's Nexium. For those of you who don't know, um, that's the, the generic name for Nexium. Um, what we what Nexium does, though, is reduce stomach acid. And we don't want to reduce stomach acid. We want to heal the stomach lining, we want to heal the digestive tract lining. But if we reduce stomach acid, then we slow motility down. We prevent um, food from being digested. We prevent vitamins and nutrients and minerals from being pulled from the food and extracted into the digestive tract because it doesn't get broken down appropriately before it moves on to um, to the intestines. Now, hopefully that makes sense, Bree. Definitely let me know if you have any other questions. All right, we have two more questions. This next one's from TikTok. It's a long, <laughs> a long screen name, so I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to read the screen name. But this person asks: Can a horse test negative for EPM, have low vitamin E, and still show symptoms? Does that point elsewhere? Okay. Important thing to remember: it, the short answer is yes. A horse can be negative for EPM, have low vitamin E, and have symptoms of EPM. And also, yes, it can point elsewhere. So we have to remember that there are no definitive tests for EPM except for postmortem, meaning just like a dog with rabies, you can't test an alive dog to find out if the dog has rabies. You can make some assumptions based on clinical symptoms. You can pull some antibody levels, but the only way to know is postmortem. So to put the dog down and test them. Same thing with horses. The only way to know definitively if your horse has EPM is post-mortem. So with that knowledge in hand, it could be EPM, even if the horse was quote unquote negative for EPM. Uh, symptoms of low vitamin E can often look a lot like EPM and other neurological issues. It could be a different neurological issue altogether that is happening. Could be Lyme, um, not always, but that's just an example. Um, so I would definitely first get that uh, vitamin E level up. So give vitamin E and see what changes. Um, and then secondarily, I would treat it very similar to EPM um, and go through a full EPM healing protocol. A lot of times I like to make those protocols custom for horses. But for you, it sounds like um, taking my EPM class. It's a little workshop. You can find it um, on it. I'll link it in the show notes. You can find it in the show notes on your podcast provider. Um, and it will tell you the steps to take to physically and internally nutritionally rehab your horse from EPM. 
Now, this the protocol is targeted for EPM, but it's more targeted for the um, symptom package that comes with EPM, right? Because if you take the class, you'll know that that EPM is um, all horses are exposed to EPM. So all horses will have varying levels of antibodies to EPM. And it's horses that have a terrain that supports EPM to flourish that will go on to have the full, you know, symptoms and actual EPM um, issues. Horses that are exposed or that have low vitamin E or have something other neurologically going on, they have basically the same things that cause those symptoms to happen, right? Plus or minus the actual EPM protozoa. Okay. Hopefully that's making sense. Definitely check out the class. Um, The short answer to your question is absolutely yes. And then my last question is from Rose and Rose is asking for tips or uh, tips for ways to keep feed in front of a horse all day. She says she's not a fan of high hanging hay bags. In that case, I would hang them low. (laughs) So um, it depends on how much space you have. Uh, So we do, we have a a horse that's in about a half acre pasture uh, with a, with a friend um, that is away from the rest of the herd. And so what we do, he gets hay, they get hay and hay nets. Some are hung high, some are hung low. Um, we'll go out and put little hidden um, treats of hay, like stash them around the trees or by the fence line or over here, or over there to give them a way to, uh, u- to, to utilize that hay um, in, at different levels in different areas with different uh, forces or pulling to get it out. Um, I'm not sure. I agree. A horse should not eat out of a high hanging hay net 24 hours a day, but you can adjust the height of those pretty easily. Um, you might also consider hay racks. I have a lot of clients that use hay troughs. And so they'll get like one of those big rubberized, uh, water troughs and they'll put a flake of hay into a hay net. There's a company, I think it's called halo hay nets that makes a hay net that will hold an entire bale of hay and they have pretty good size openings. So it's less of a concern for um, teeth issues uh, and also for, for overworking those neck muscles, pulling the hay out. And you just put the bale of hay in there and then put it in a trough. The reason why you put it in a trough is if your horses uh, are shod, then they can't hook their, their shoe in it and pull a shoe um, or injure themselves or worse, but they still are eating low as if they're off the ground. Um, I don't think that horses can't ever eat out of a high hung hay net. I think giving them the option to do a bunch of different things is probably the best. If you have ever seen horses in a big pasture with trees uh, and shrubs and all the things versus, you know, an arena or a a run out stall or a paddock, um, but where they have a diverse amount of landscape and a diverse amount of plants to choose from, they will choose to eat from the ground primarily Uh, but they will also eat from shrubs. They will also stretch their necks up like a giraffe and reach their lips really far to get stuff out of trees as well. So they can successfully eat um, up high as well. So hopefully that helps to answer your question. If you want to send in more information about, um, you know, the things you're specifically trying to avoid with high hanging hay bags, then I'd be happy to dive deeper into that. So that's all the questions that we have for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Feel free to send your questions in. I'm going to try to do better about recording these episodes. I bought a little to-go mic so that I'd be able to do that. Uh, And we're almost through our 
move from of the ranch from North Texas to South Texas and things will equalize a bunch then. But I certainly appreciate all the questions. And um, yeah, I welcome you to come hang out with us in the uh, Facebook group. I have a Q&A membership there where no question goes unanswered. Uh, and we have live office hours once a week. You can check out uh, all of my classes that I have available, all my workshops that I have available. Oh, and I've had a few pe- people reach out about uh, 2023 uh, in-person workshop dates. I am completely booked for the rest of 2023 and starting to book up for early 2024. So if you are wanting me to come to your barn to talk about nutrition or body work or any of those things, remedies, um, we can do that in person. We can do that virtually. Just send an email at equineenergymed.com using the contact form and we will send all the information to you. So looking forward to seeing you and talking to you guys. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Equine Energy Medicine Podcast. Ratings and reviews are always appreciated. We'll catch you in the next episode.